Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. I'll preach today, give you uh, something from the Word of God. Don't we need a word in season? Like, there's a, there's a lot of good advice. There's some good, uh, pithy is a good word. That's your word of the day, pithy. P-I-T-H-Y. Pithy is just kind of like a short, concise, you know, interesting thing to say. You see some of those on Facebook, right? Just like a little, uh, you know, a little pithy expression. Um, I need more than that, though. I need the full counsel of the Word of God. Because one-liners are not going to get me to heaven or build a life on, right? Sometimes we need the counsel of the Word of God. We need to hear from Him because it's more than just pithy expressions. It's more than just some proverbial wisdom. It is life. It is divinely inspired truth. And that you can build your life on. Sometimes you can see, you know, particularly on social media, you can see something that's out there and you're just like, oh, no. And then people agree with it and you're like, oh, man, what is wrong with people? Or like, you know, maybe the intention is right, but like the, um, the, the exactness of it is, you know, or it's doctrinally and, you know, kind of off in left field. And we have to be tethered to the Word of God. We have to understand the counsel of Scripture and the doctrines. Do we believe in doctrine? Um, here's one of those pithy little expressions um, that I like to put the, you know, put the axe to. Um, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. No, it's not that good of a... A religion means there are actually things that we believe and don't believe. It's not just whatever we feel whenever we feel. There is truth. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is coming back for His church. We believe in the divinely inspired Word of God to be authoritative in our life, in our church, in this world as truth. We believe in the divinity of Christ, that he is God made flesh. He's not a man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good person. And he is either one of a couple different options. He's either a liar, and he wasn't God. He's either a crazy person who really thought he was God, but he wasn't a liar. Or he is, in fact, God made flesh. And all the things that proceed from his mouth are true and impactful and decisive in our lives. And I believe the third. So it's not just about, we we, we do get to have a relationship, but there's a religion because there's a set of rules because God has a, a, a nature of holiness. And we either come into agreement with his nature or we don't. Whenever we are made new, whenever we receive salvation, we become a new creature, and old things are passed away, all things are become new, and then we are disciples of Christ. We are being conformed through obedience to the written and revealed word. We are conformed to the image of Christ Jesus, and he makes the rules, and we follow them. And they won't always be fun. They won't always be easy. They won't be, they'll never be popular uh, with the world as a whole. Uh, The Word of God says that we're to be a a peculiar people, a different set aside, not making sense in the way that we view things and do things to the rest of the world. Uh, Even so, going so far as to say, they hated the prophets, they hated me, they'll hate you. Because you'll be in alignment, not with the spirit of the world, but with the spirit of God. 
it is a relationship, and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most powerful and personal and wonderful relationship that I have. But there are boundaries to any real and worthwhile relationship. You may be married. Maybe you're dating somebody. But if you're married, you understand there's some boundaries that we set to honor our spouse. And we're faithful to them. Worthwhile relationships have a set of rules. I don't just go do whatever, you know, my flesh might want me to do. I don't go and mess around and do this, that, and the other. I, like, I, I am, you know, and, and God forgives all sin, and there's restoration when we, you know, for those, you know, who maybe feel like, man, I messed this up, and I can't have, but we come back into alignment with God, just like we do in a rela- any other relationship. Real relationships that are not casual and meaningless have boundaries that we seek to implement and to follow. Amen? Appreciate the word of God. I'm just expounding right now. But we need to be a people of the word. Let us have no other legacy or identity. Everything else passes away. Are we a people of, of music, a people of, uh, of community, even, even a people of, of, uh, who, who are kind? And, and, but above all, let us be a people of the word. And the word never leaves his house. The word never leaves his house. Now, we carry the word. You know, we can read our Bible at home, right? But when we stay close to, to there's something about the house of God. That's where the word manifests in a powerful way. I thank God that every, see, whenever I got really right with God, good and proper, I was on 35 driving down that, that old mini Ford Windstar, 97 Ford Windstar, puttering down the road. And I pulled off under conviction, being drawn to the Spirit of Christ and by the Spirit of Christ, and I got right with God. And I didn't need a church house to do it. But whenever I did get right, I did go to church, and I did, you know, I, I did take part. But obviously God goes with us where we go. But the Word never leaves His house. There's a, there's a story I'll, I'll share with you. It's a, maybe you've heard it before. But there was a, a young couple who, you know, bought a farm and they were they were working together. It was just the two of them, and you know, before they had children, before they, you know, anything, and they had an old truck. Derek Haddix isn't here, but his dream is not a new truck. He dreams of an older truck than he has, which is weird. Uh, but you know, that that's you know personality. So he wants one of those old, you know, cloth fabric bench seats. You know, an old, you know, like uh, 80, 85 F one fifty. That's what he likes. And you know, they had the just a long cloth bench seat, right? And uh, so picture that in your mind. And whenever they, you know, the couple first got married, oh, everything was all, all, you know, all roses and hugs and kisses and happiness. Amen. You know what I'm talking about if you've been married any length of time. And then, you know, you, life, you, know, you, you go on. Life happens. You still have cu- hugs and kisses. And, and, but, uh, you know, it's not quite this, the, the, the intensity, thank you, yes, that's true, of, uh, of whenever you're dating and first get married. Your boy's in the real world. I don't know where you are, where you act like you are. Please, please. Yeah, that, that happens. You know, life, that, that is life, um, you know. And then a more mature and long-lasting love and affection and stability uh, takes that, you know, it becomes more the identity, a better identity, because um, any, any pervert can have, you know, heated passion. But to have a love that endures is a different thing, Right? 
So this couple that came together, you know, that, that first she used to sit right up against him, you know, in the car. And he'd have his arm over here, over her, and then drive the pickup like so. And as years went by, you know, they still loved each other. You know, they, they raised a family. They'd still go to town together in that old truck. But eventually, you know, she, uh, she was kind of sitting on her side of it, you know, look, you know, looking out the window, doing her thing. And uh, she made the comment, as wives do, and said, but we used to sit right up against each other, and you used to have your arm around me, sir, mister. And the old farmer just simply said, I've been here the whole time, and I didn't move. I can't leave the wheel where it's at. I'm where I've always been. I didn't move. And she said, as they do. Let me tell you something about our relationship with God. If you find yourself distant from him, if you find yourself not as on fire as maybe you once were, not living with the passion for God, for his kingdom, for the lost, and for reading of his word and being with his people, lifting holy hands, experiencing the manifest presence of God as a course of action, then I, I, I don't condemn you. I don't blame you. I, I'm not here to hurt you. What I am here to say is simply this, that God didn't move. And God's presence is to be found at his house. In 1 Samuel 3 and 1, I'm going to read it in KJV and in KJV. Um, we read this. Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. In KJV, it says um, that the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. So either one of those, uh, you know, they kind of like, um, kind of get your mind going in a little bit different, different ways there, um, that it was rare. That's kind of the more, probably more accurate as far as like our, our modern understanding. Like it was rare. Like you didn't see a Bible very much. You didn't hear the word of, of the Lord being preached because um, it, it's always precious. But precious metals are not precious just because people love them, but because you can't hardly find them. There's not very many of them around. So they're on the same page, but it's just like looking through you know, two different prisms there. The word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. There was no widespread revelation. People weren't living for God. People didn't even know God, didn't know what God had expected. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture here. This is a really cool story about the restoration of the children of Israel coming out of captivity. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was uh, Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father. David did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Uh, that was not the norm. They did what was right in the sight of God. Uh, because there's another scripture that says, uh, every man did what was right in his own eyes. Right? But when you're walking in Revelation, you want to do not what's right in your eyes, but what's right in his eyes. You may feel good about it, but what does the word say? Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan the scribe, and the son of Ezaliah and the son of Meshulam to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought to the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people, and let them deliver into the hand of those doing the work. The overseers of the house of the Lord give it to them who are in the house of the Lord doing the work, repair the damage of the house, the carpenters, builders, and masons to buy timber and hew stone to repair the house. So basically he's saying... Uh, give everybody some money so we can build the church the way it needs to be. So he's doing the, 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 the work there. But something interesting at the end of the passage, he says, 
However, there be no need of accounting made with them because the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. Man, I would like to be such a person as that God could trust me with his money because it's all his. I want to be faithful with my tithes and offerings. I want to be faithful with the blessings God has given me because he has entrusted that to me, right? And I want him to to think of, of, of Joe Parker's like, I don't even have, don't even, you don't have to check up on him. Tell his angels, like, you know, should we you know, see who's doing, who's doing this or who's doing that? And I, I, no, don't worry about Joe. Like, he's going to do, he do what I told him with his giftings, with the anointing in his life, uh, with his time, with his family, with his finances, with his focus. Like, don't, yeah, don't even check. Like, he's good. I know him. Wouldn't that be awesome? If God actually, and the angels are like, all right. That's, that is the level of, uh, accountability and faithfulness that we're talking about here. So, Hilkiah finds the book of the law in this next passage of scripture, and this is what I want to focus on. Now, it came to pass in the 18th year that Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, I have found the book of the law, and that's the Bible, as you understand, the old Hebrew portion of the Bible, um, in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. So Shaphan, the scribe, went to the king to bring the king's word, saying, your servants have gathered the money, and found it in the house, have delivered it into the hands of those who do the work, oversee the house of the Lord. So check, you know, we got that all done. However, something interesting we uncovered while we were building this church. Basically, they're building the house, they're building the temple. And so um, to kind of bring you in, you're, I, know I can see you're getting lost in the Hebrew names. So I'm coming at you. I'm going to wake you up. Amen. I didn't scare Ellery. That's a good, that's good. Normally I do. So. The story thus far is that they're building the church, tabernacle, temple. Um, they are building for, the, for God's house, and they're getting very busy in the world. we got the masons in here. We're working on the carpet. Uh, we're working on you know, doing this. We're doing that. We're having a church cleaning day. We're doing all this stuff, um, and this is so awesome. We changed the light bulbs. We changed the ballast. Everything's looking good. Uh, the toilets are, are, you know, are, are all, all fixed up, you know, whatever, you know, clean, clean you know, functioning properly. Everything's good in the house, so we're working on this. We're getting it all done. And then they find something random, something weird, something strange in the middle of all their efforts. Say, hey, we found a Bible, which we haven't read in a while, which we have thought was lost, actually. Whew. So he said, your servants have delivered the money. We did all the other stuff. You know, took care of that. Uh, however... Um, then he said to the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened. The king heard the words of the law, and he tore his clothes. Now what that means is uh, it, it, that, that was a sign of, of conviction, of grief, of repentance, because the word was revealed. And he realized that in spite of all his best efforts, there were things that, that were going on that he needed to change. And so the re- revelation of the word causes him to react in that way very interesting passage of scripture. John 1 and 14 said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. I want to preach on where the word lives. Where the word lives. The word was the book of the law, but the word is also Christ revealed. Word says the Bible says that the Word was made flesh, that He was made, that He tabernacled among us, that He lived among us. In 
that in the days of Josiah's predecessors, the spiritual climate could be summed up pretty easily, that it was a lot of sin, there was a lot of problems, there was a lack of understanding, a lack of revelation. Um, and so I want to tell you something and teach you something, if I may. We preach the word here. Every service, the focal point will be the reading of the word, the preaching and expounding on the word, trying to explain it, trying to, and that's what the art of preaching is. It is, it is trying to take the truths of scripture and then bring them to the people and give the sense of the law um, to, to reveal Christ, to reveal his expectations, to reveal who he is and what he expects of us and how we are to live, right? That's, that's the preacher's job. Here's something very interesting about when this, when Josiah the king hears the word. Clearly something didn't align with what he was doing and where he was and how he saw the world. Because the reaction after the revelation was to grieve, was to repent, was to tear his clothes. Now, it's not a modesty issue. He didn't rip all his clothes off. But he, 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 he tore his garment like he was in mourning. He, said he, was, he was battling against, uh, against you know, knowing that there was an alignment spiritually that he was not in. He was not there. He was not a part of it. And so this is, we're in a different spiritual climate today. A very different spiritual climate today. So let me tell you this. There are two reactions when we hear the word. You can either tear your clothes or you can tear up the word. And we live in a time, in a season, in a nation, in a spiritual climate where there's not a lot of garment tearing going on. The word of God says in those last days, they will draw to them false teachers having itching ears what does that mean? That means that people will, will, will seek out the seeker-friendly experience that will tell them what they want to hear and ease the force of conviction just enough so that they can function in a false sense of security, in a false sense of salvation, a false sense of being in line with the Word. We have to be so discerning. And if you come here and you're never, ever offended by the preaching, that should scare you. Some people will leave as soon as they're offended by the preaching. But if you never hear anything that challenges our exceedingly fleshful and sinful nature that we still battle with, if you never have your toes stepped on, you're never offended, you never feel that, that quickening from the Holy Ghost, then what is the problem? There's a problem with the preaching because the revelation of God's Word at some point will cause you either to rend your garments or tear pages out of the Word. And we are in a time where people are tearing pages out left and right, recontextualizing and deconstructing what is solid doctrine, what is truth that has been understand and preached and understood and preached and stood upon in orthodoxy for millennia. Ever since the church fathers, there have been clear understanding. There's a lot of division, a lot of things haven't been agreed on, but we're seeing things undermine that haven't really ever been undermined in 2,000 years of the church's existence. We are, I'm telling you, we are living in a time when the real revelation of the word is precious. It is rare. A time when, when it's not convenient to tear our garments, to tear our own hearts, to say, I will stop what I am doing and I will do what I have heard the word of God tell me to do. 
I will go a different direction than what I had made up my mind to do and set my feet to do. I will turn from my ways and I will follow him. Repentance is the genuine godly sorrow over our sin and the turning away from that sin toward Christ. Amen? Aren't you grateful for Jesus Christ that he loves you? He loves every single one of you. And that revealed, he draws you to him because he loves you. In this spiritual climate, there is one overriding question, and you have to ask the question right, or you might get the wrong answer. The question is not, does this church preach the word or not? The question is, is this a church or not? It's not, does this church preach the truth? It's, is this a church? Because if it doesn't, it's not. There are no churches that preach the false word. They're just simply not churches. Call it what you may. There is no such thing as marriage outside what God defined marriage as. We love everyone, and we're, we, we embrace, and we, and we pray for, and we show the grace and the mercy and the love of God and welcoming. However, we do not change definitions based on culture. We stand on the truth of the Word of God, and if need be, die. There's only one definition of marriage. That is one man and one woman together in holy matrimony. So if it's a marriage that's outside of that, it's not a marriage. It is a union. It is a partnering. It is a couple. It is a whatever else it may be. But there is only one definition, and God defined it with clarity. Amen. Step, am I stepping on any toes yet? Probably not, but maybe. Any organization that calls itself a church but is bereft of the full counsel of the Word of God is just a club. And the truth is that the Word does not depart from the house of God. So if the Word isn't present, it's simply not the house of God. I love that they looked all over and then when they were clean in the church, real good and proper, they found the Word. And God, it seemed like, was saying to them, I never left, you did. And if you clean it up, if you clean, start cleaning, you start seeing things, you'll realize that I never departed. My word never departed. I am who I am. Now you have to decide who you are and who you will be. This is not the house of God because we said so or because we put New Life Church on the door. It is the house of God because the word is declared and present here. Amen. The word is always to be found in the house of God. Uh, my keys are always to be found. There's a reason for that. And I, this is a shameless plug. I should get paid for this. But have you ever heard of something called a tile? Anyone? Okay. They, the, Apple has copied them. Uh, and then they have their own, like, Apple tag thing or whatever it is. But the original ones are the tiles. And I don't have my keys in here. But I'll play games with the kids sometimes, you know, whoever might be at the house. And I'll go hide my keys. But I'm not afraid because I have a tile, a little thing attached to my key ring um, that is Bluetooth. And it's very fancy. It's very cool. It's not super expensive, but boy, it saves me a lot of time and money. It's the best investment I've made. And I got Polly two new keys, and I ordered the tiles. And before they came, she had lost one set. So we're working through that. Amen. 
Yes. But I got one on the other one, so at least I'll know where that goes. And you can put it on Bluetooth, and it will actually tell you um, you left it at New Life Church. I've done that several times. I've left, you know, something. I left other set of keys there where I ride with somebody else. Somebody else say, and I look on my phone and say, where, where's your keys? Where's my keys? And it'll say, you left it there at the church or you left it at the house. Or last time we saw it, it was here. It's, pretty, it's a pretty cool thing to be able to find that. Some of you need that in your life. Some of y'all would be early to church if you did. Amen. Or at least on time. Amen, amen. Double amen. Bless you. As much technology we have today that we can still lose things, but Jesus is always to be found. He's always to be found. I, I read that in my Bible. Jesus was always, even when he would rather not be, he was found. <laughs> right? Which is weird because, you know, it's his flesh side. It's not while he was in sin, but he was in, in, in a nap. Yep. And so he was healing, he was ministering, he was doing all this stuff. He's like, I just need a nap. I just I gotta lay down real quick. And they found him. And so they found him again and again, and they kept finding him. So he jumped in a boat and said, Get me to the other side. And then they were already somehow they had already made it and there was a crowd waiting from there. He said, Oh my goodness. And he, they, they just keep waiting. And then he lays down for just a minute, and then a storm arises, and then they wake him up to do that and to calm the storm. Amen. Jesus is always to be found you're here today know that Jesus is looking for you Jesus loves you and you're not in the search alone he will run to you where you're at if you're looking for the word look in the house and I challenge you have you have you maybe not lost your first love maybe you have but does there need to be like a realignment in your heart there's a, uh, oh, I've been, this is not a soft flex, but I get to recall like a cool story of whenever I was able to go to India and we were able to uh, do a little bit of ministry there. And uh, we went by the, uh, the Taj Mahal. Anyone know what that is? Okay, so we were nearby there at the Taj Hotel and the Taj Mahal. It's a beautiful structure. It is a, it's this obelisk at the end of it and it's just amazing. It's a, it's a beautiful love story because um, a, a long ago sultan or king, um, Raj, actually technically a Raj, he, he was a powerful king so wealthy and he and he loved his wife so so very much that when she died uh, his heart was broken and that he just could not hardly and so he said I'm going to raise the most beautiful and incredible monument to her and so he began construction as this is really morbid but this is like the depth of how like he was feeling um, after you know the construction was complete or you know parts of it um, the craftsmen who built it he gathered all the greatest and most skilled craftsmen from the land and on completion of the construction, he cut off all their thumbs. Yeah, right? Weird, weird turn. Um, but he did that. He said, no one will ever, there will never be anything created as beautiful as this ever again. Because this is going to be the most beautiful thing. And, and so he, he made it to where the craftsmen couldn't, craftsmen couldn't even build with the same skill anymore. He was that serious about it being the greatest monument ever. And the construction outlived him. And then 
something very interesting happened years and years into the construction. The stone was being in and shaped. The columns were being raised. Um, the gardens were being manicured and set up in just such a way. Uh, you know, it, the water supply and ductwork had to be dug by hand and run. All these things, like uh, the beautiful tapestries brought in from different parts of the nation and surrounding nations. A big project, big building construction project here. And then um, as they were working on one you know, small part of it, um, they, they had spread out some, you know, their, their, their sheets to look at, you know, some of the architectural drawings. What are we going to do here, here, here? And they went into a room they hadn't been in in a while. And they used that for a, uh, a table. They found a table, something to spread their drawings on and to continue their work. And they realized shortly thereafter that covered in all the construction dust and spare materials and trash was the coffin where lay the woman who it was all for. It had been lost in the shuffle. So much effort had been made to create something that was to signify a love, an undying affection, and the object of that affection had been thrust aside and lost in the daily grind of working and building. You talk about losing sight of what's really important. My word. But that not that what happened in the Word of God that we read? That in those days, the Word was rare because it had been covered over, it had been forgotten, it had been moved away. Other things had become the focus of our lives. That's how you lose touch. And so I ask you, in all the hustle and all of the dreams that you dream and the work that you're doing and the focus that you have, the things that you're trying to effectuate in your own life, your job, your career, your family, all of those things, may it be possibly that you have lost sight of or focus of the one thing that it's all built on, the one thing that matters most, the one thing that it's all for. Could it be that you've forgotten your first love? You've left your first love. Well, I have good news for you, as challenging as that might sound, and that is that, just like that old farmer, he never left. He is still here today, and he is to be found again. You're not burning quite like you were. You're not focused like you were. The, you, you, your passion isn't what it was. But there is time to reignite the flame. There is still time to instill and install him on the throne of my life and give him lordship and kingship. It is not past season. And all the work, all the things that we're trying to build, they don't have to be in vain or poorly built because a house that is built on anything other than the rock that is Jesus Christ is in fact built on sinking sand. And it will crumble. It will fall apart. Listen, if you try to build all those things that seem to matter on something other than the sure foundation of Jesus, it will fall apart. It is not maintainable. But if you focus on Him, if you put Him in true lordship, you can build a beautiful life. You can build a ministry. You can build a family. You can build a future. You can build your character and who you're supposed to be on the rock of Jesus Christ. Let us bow our heads in honor of the 
the Lord today. If you're here today and you're encouraged and challenged by the word, say, you know what? My focus of late has not been on the kingdom. I've been, it's not on sinful things. It's not on wickedness. It's just not on what it should be. I'm not putting him where he deserves to be. I'm not giving him preeminence in my life. And I've lost my focus. I've lost the script in the middle of all of it. I talk about other people. I even talk about ministry. I'm focused on ministry, but not on Christ. Even preachers and pastors can do that and do. So it's not like you're in poor company. How many times have I lost the focus, lost the plot? You're in good company if you have shifted your eyes to other things other than the firm foundation, which is Jesus, because that's who all this is for. If that's you here today, no one else is looking around. Slip that hand up and say, that's me. That's me. I've lost the plot. Amen. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. Someone else. I've kind of, I, I still love God and I never stop, but I kind of lost the plot somewhere. Is that you? Raise your hand. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. God sees all those hands. Amen. Now we've come to a place of decision. And we're going to worship the Lord, and we're going to stand together. Let's stand. Let's stand.